Hi everybody and welcome to The Fine Line. My name is Good Sense Amelia. Thanks for joining me today. Um, the topic of discussion today is autism, as promised. And um, you can't fix what isn't broken, basically. That's what I want to talk about. Um, so there are a lot of ways of discussing autism that suggests that it is a form of brokenness as, as opposed to just a, a different way of functioning. And I'm here today to talk about it's a different way of functioning. Um, the whole community, the whole autism community has value. We have worth, we have, uh, skills and talents to offer. And I think we might be one of the most undervalued and underestimated groups. Um, you know, there's, there's even, uh, issues with, you know, like denial and, and these kinds of things and not having a context, uh, to talk about it. So that can, that, you know, that's like a stigma. That's a way of thinking from the neurotypical community that actually makes life harder for people with autism. Um, when you like for myself, my form, oh my God, (laughs) myself, for example, (laughs) when I was growing up, I had no idea why I was so different. And I had no way. I I mean, I thought there was nobody in the world like me. Like I felt like I was on an Island. Yes, I had friends, but in so many ways, if I was my true self in front of my friends or in front of my family, like certain, if at home, I might, you know, have been punished into being normal, which obviously didn't happen. But I think that was the goal, you know, punishing me into being normal. Or um, it was the exact same thing as school. I would have friends who would try to punish me into being normal. And the problem with females is they drop hints. And I did not learn the ability to pick up hints until much, 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 much later in life. And even to this day, when I notice people dropping hints, I still choose to ignore them because it pisses me off if someone doesn't communicate directly with me because I feel it's um, disrespectful. Um, Whether I'm neurotypical or autistic, I think it's disrespectful to drop hints. And, but, you know, the flip side of that coin is sometimes I have weird communication style, um, that some people perceive as me dropping a hint and I'm like, I didn't even realize I was dropping a hint and I didn't mean to or whatever. So, so again, like this lack of context for being able to talk about what's going on with you or being able to understand what's going on in your own brain can create problems. Like it can create, um, isolation from friends. It can create misunderstandings with other Otties, which is great. That's happened to me like more than a few times. And, um, actually I'm like, whatever, I'm getting older now. Uh, my communication is better and I can recognize what's going on in the people around me. So I'm not having that problem as much, (laughs) but, um, so this has led to this whole idea of like neurotribes forming and like, oh yeah, well, we've been so isolated and ostracized by the neurotypical community that now, um, we're basically like intentionally choosing friends that are, um, also autistic intense, intentionally working with people. Um, you know, there's an autism job club. There's, um, there's all kinds of, um, social, um, uh, things happening for people with autism, both online and, um, in in, uh, I guess in reality, in physical reality as well, (laughs) in the world (laughs) that exists. Um, but, um, you know, because we see in each other what other people don't see, like we get it. Like I understand, you know, 
I'm autistic, you're autistic, we're hanging out. I understand you have the capacity to learn. I understand that you might learn slower than other people because I was the same way. Um, I got straight A's in high school, but what people didn't see was that, well, they didn't see me at parties because I didn't go to them, but they didn't see me sitting at home studying for four hours a night with my nose in the books, reading and rereading until I understood the material. Um, so that was dedication, you know, like, yes, I have the ability to like even expand on concepts and things like that, but I am not a fast learner and that is okay. Um, so one of the reasons that people do get so upset or frustrated, I think about autistic behavior is that it is not easily adapted to school or work environment. And, um, a huge part of our Modern society is this idea of everybody must contribute. Everybody must uh, be a part of the money-making machine. Everybody must generate income that can be taxed. And, you know, nobody should be a freeloader. And so um, if you're born with a brain that doesn't function in a workplace setting and you can't hold down a job or let's say like my... I, I just, I can't even seem to get an interview. I need help advocating for myself, even just to get an interview for a job because my cover letters come across weird, I think, or my resumes are weird, you know, or I say the wrong thing, or when I call to check on a job, I accidentally interrupt. I mean, it's just like one little wrong move and there goes that job interview. There goes that job interview. Um, and so I think that this whole therapy based on helping people function so that they can generate income is like a really selfish and inconsiderate uh, motive for therapy. I think that therapy for people with autism should be more focused on quality of life. Can you take care of yourself? Um, can you live without staff possibly, you know, um, maybe not, but um, you know, can you, can you make this decision that will lead to a higher quality of life, this kind of things. And if, and if that's not the level you're at, then taking it a step back, like, can you accomplish this small, like, are you able to participate in making your own goals? Yes, probably if, if your staff and parents and, and whoever are paying attention. The problem is that, however, um, usually with staff and parents, people are sort of like helicopter parenting and micromanaging um, people who really, I know in my case, when I'm left to my own devices, I sit in my rocking chair and I stim for eight hours a day. If that's, yeah, I will do, that's, that's my life. That's my preferred day-to-day -day activity. Like I don't need my iPad when I'm doing that, or I might play solitaire, but you know, scratch my bear, sniff my bear, rock and drink water. And that's good enough. Um, so it's difficult when you have staff that have these expectations, like you need to do at least this much of this a day and you need, you know, it's like, where's, what's the motivation? Like, so asking questions I think is really, really important for people who are not just staff, not just family, but also people who do the therapy, like occupational therapy or whatever, you know, it is that you're doing. And I think a lot of the therapies that have come up lately have been geared more towards this idea, which I think is great, but they still keep talking about trying to cure autism. And I think that is ridiculous. I think there's nothing wrong uh, with being autistic. And I'm, that actually brings us right into our next, my next uh, topic here, which is why is autism on the rise right now? Um, like why uh, it's exploding. Like people are trying to like smush it down because they, you know, don't want to deal with that or whatever. But um, my first thought was that it was, act it was a genetic 
thing that was activated by increased pollution. I thought maybe as pollution goes up, autism goes up. And I thought about this for a little more um, time. And then I heard another theory that the reason that only one out of five people on the spectrum are female is because it's probably carried on the X chromosome, which means that it can be hidden in a family for years and years and years, generation after generation. If one of the women passes it on to her daughter, if she has one X chromosome that's activated, um, kind of like baldness, you know, like you can pass it along and pass it along for years and no one will even know you have it. Um, so what I was thinking is that it's actually medical advances that have allowed us to live longer and pass our genes on to children. For example, um, autistic people have interesting ways of dealing with things. I had a traumatic potty training incident when I was three years old, and then I realized that, um, if I masturbated, I could hold my pee in longer because it made the need to go pee it made it go away. <laughs> and so I did this for, uh, I think like four or five days because I had some traumatic potty training thing where I had an accident and I just didn't want to go pee anymore. So I literally held my pee in for five days. Okay. If that would have happened when we were, um, when like 95% of the planet was still indigenous and I was living, whatever, I, I don't, they didn't have antibiotics yet. So yeah, the whole world is living like this. Um, I would have died from a bladder infection at the age of three, but modern medicine has allowed me to survive. Um, that as well as some other crazy things <laughs> that I've done to my body, <laughs> you know, just because I didn't quite understand how to deal with, uh, issues or how to make my caretakers understand what was going on with me. So that being said, um, I think that's actually a big part of it is that, um, a lot of people with what would have been called Asperger's or high functioning autism, but whatever, uh, verbal, we could call it verbal autism, but even that's not a very good qualifier. Um, people, let's say less severely affected or have a more mild form or whatever, even though the, whatever, um, people who have a milder form of autism, <laughs> or who are less less affected by their symptoms, um, it's very uh, possible that, you know, these people went on unnoticed for years. I mean, a lot of, like, people who were geniuses or whatever, they had IQs above 130 or suspected IQs above 130 or whatever, um, you know, that goes right hand-in-hand hand with the autism spectrum. And those people obviously lived long enough to get old enough. Some of them did pass on their genes, but not all of them. But we still have uh, females carrying it that don't even know it in other places. So it's sort of this complicated issue of medicine. Modern medicine has actually allowed this genetic difference, this neurological difference to uh, become more common because small things are not killing us off, <laughs> I think. Um, but anyway, I'm running out of time here. I just want to thank Ronald Jenkins again for letting me use his music. That's awesome of you. And everybody who, uh, joined in to listen today, I really appreciate, um, you taking the time to, yeah, make time for me and let me talk to you. So yeah, have a good night. <laughs>